everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We're true talk radio with a mission to raise all voices around the world, big and small, from the person who's diagnosed to the top researchers uh, in the world. Everyone is welcome here, and you can call in. If you'd like to join the conversation at 323-870-4602, that's 323-870-4602. Um, I'm hoping everyone is safe and is staying healthy out there. I know this is scary times. We will talk a little bit about COVID on the show as well. I think people um, just need more ideas on how to stay connected if and protected and yet still need their educational information. We're going to be talking with Arlita Hall and we're going to be talking about confronting dementia. But before I introduce her to you, I want to thank all of you. You see, your likes, your clicks, and your shares have gotten us international uh, attention and expanded our brand footprint. And I can't thank you enough for doing that. And I hope that you will continue to like, click, and share uh, this show um, with your your sphere because it's so important for people to be connected even more so when we're dealing with being self-isolating and uh, shutdowns going around the world. I do want to give a couple of shout outs. Um, one, to the Memory Cafe directory. A lot of people belong to Memory Cafes. Many of you might not know what they are. They're basically a gathering of people typically people with dementia that are either have MCI or are early to mid stages and their care partners. And needless to say, those groups aren't meeting right now. Uh, some of those have gone online. You can go to the Memory Cafe directory, see if there's one in your area, and always call and check to see what the status is. I know I've put mine online, and anyone is welcome to join us there. I also want to let you know that we're going to do a special weekly open mic. Uh, this one, this week, we're going to be doing it at Friday uh, afternoon. And again, everyone is welcome to join us to hear not only, you know, what's scary, but what are the positive things that you're seeing? What's occurring? What are some tips and techniques that you can share with others? Uh, let me see. Oh, I just got a notice from Live to be Healthy, and they are uh, a fitness organization, and they are going to be uh, doing some virtual classes. So check out Live, and then the number two, the letter B, and then Healthy uh, to find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, I also got a notice for an opportunity for a telephone interview 
The uh, Center for Information and Study on Clinical Research Participation uh, is planning to conduct a one-hour telephone interview with patients living with mild cognitive impairment or people caring for a loved one with mild cognitive impairment. Now, they're not going to try to uh, coerce you into trials. Their goal really is to learn from patients and their support network how best to improve the clinical experience for future volunteers. And you can, um, they're, they're doing this through the end of March here, so not a whole lot longer, um, but you can call uh, 617-725-2750, extension 402. I'll say that one more time. 617-725-2750, extension 402. And they would love to hear from you. Uh, last, I just want to give a shout out to our friend Keith Gallus, who is an executive director. Um, helping families with all their difficult questions. And I know right now I'm sure he's hunkering down like all of our healthcare workers are. They're just doubling down, uh, trying to keep up with protocol changes and um, protect and serve those living with dementia uh, as well as their families the best he can. But uh, Keith wrote this book called uh, Parental Dementia, A Guide Through All the Difficult Questions. And it's just a, it's a wonderful resource. If maybe you don't need it, maybe you know someone who's dealing with this, it would be really helpful for them. You can go to parentaldementia.com and uh, all Alzheimer's Speaks listeners can get a discount by using the code word Lori, L-O-R-I. Again, the code word Lori by going to parentaldementia.com. But you can also order the book on Amazon or through Barnes and Noble, you know, whatever your favorite store is. And they did just release it also in um, an ebook form, which is nice. So let me introduce you to um, Arita um, Hall. She is a passionate Chicago native. She's a comedian, an, uh, an actress, a mixologist, a dancer, a cultural producer, and a certified dementia communication specialist. Now, if that's not a mix, um, and when I mix that all up, all I can feel is energy and excitement and creativity. So I think we're going to have a really fun, fun conversation with Alrita. Um, she's really on this life journey to find laughter by using vulnerable energy to create platforms to express herself and, and to help people connect. So welcome. How are you doing today? Oh, I am doing just peachy. <laughs> well, good. I, I don't hear many people. I can tell you're Midwest by that. By that, I'm just peachy. I haven't heard that for a while because I used to get called on saying that when I would go out east. Oh, we know where you're from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, to start out, I always like to ask my guests if they have been touched by dimension? If so, how? Um, do you mind sharing that with our audience? Uh, yes. So um, I have been touched by dementia personally um, in my own family. I currently care give for my father who uh, was originally diagnosed with dementia but now um, has Alzheimer's. Um, I also, my first time experiencing dementia was my grandmother was diagnosed when I was seven years old. 
so, and then my great aunt later on in life, who uh, my aunt Ruth was diagnosed in 2011. So at this, and my grandma, my great aunt right now, who is 96 years old, has dementia. So it has, um, I've experienced it dealing with different family members. And one thing that I will say about dementia, even though you deal with people that seem like they are so confused, they still know who they are to a certain degree. So I love just kind of going on that journey with them and then finding ways to make them laugh. Oh, that's wonderful. I I think that that is so, so important. Now, one of the things that you talk about is confronting dementia and Alzheimer's. And tell people what what that means to you and what that looks like. Okay, so I went through a program to become a certified dementia communication specialist. Um, And in the program, we utilize improv to communicate with people that have dementia or Alzheimer's. So, a.k.a. we yes and them. So, we agree with everything that they say. So, for me personally, um, when I came over here to start um, caregiving for my father, I had to learn. I went through the program, and the first thing we learned was relinquishing our agenda. So, I had to come over here and basically tell myself that even though I wanted to help him because that's how I felt, this was not about me and my personal feelings would have to go to the side. So that was the first way I confronted dementia. And I actually was in therapy at the time and my therapist told me, you know, maybe you should talk to your dad about um, growing up. So my father, just to give a backstory, my father was the non-consodial parent. So I saw my father a lot on the weekends. Um, so we didn't really, wasn't I mean he helped out a lot but he I'm just saying he wasn't in my actual household so it was nothing that I held against him growing up but I I didn't know that it personally affected me so I sat down and actually talked to him um about it just this one he actually had when he first was diagnosed so he had a little bit more memory there than he does now this was in 2015 and um talking to my dad just and he kind of just I forgave him so to me, that was the first thing that I had to do when I confronted dementia was forgive the person that I was caregiving for, for how I felt in my life about things that I felt that he could have done better. So that way, once I get that off of me, now I can focus on now let's build this relationship. So now we have a better relationship. And I know it sounds crazy that when he has Alzheimer's than we've ever had in my entire life. Well, that's good, though. I mean, that's a, that's a healthy way to do it, and there are a lot of families out there that struggle with that exact same situation. I, I have heard many, many children say, why should I be there for them now when they were never there for me when I was younger or what, whatever the situation was, or maybe maybe the person was abused and um it's a it's a very very interesting time, and depending on the dementia, some of the comments that I'll hear from people that maybe didn't have a good relationship with their parent was, "Wow, I wish I would have gotten to know them earlier," you know, because over time things change and personalities and needs and wants and philosophies change, or maybe it's the disease that has made them a nice person. Um, you know, or and vice versa. It can be a person was very, very nice and loving, and now all of a sudden is getting aggressive and upset and and angry and swearing and exhibiting behaviors that they hadn't seen before. So um, there's no blueprint for, for this disease. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it really is about just doing your best 
and um, trying mm-hmm. all alternatives there. How do you cope, you know, as a caregiver, um, you know, with your father and finding balance and, and, you know, not only for him, but for, for you as well? Oh, well, <laughs> I found a funny way to cope. I started doing stand-up comedy. Um, and while doing stand-up, I, I watched so many people in Chicago. I mean, I, I have so many fans. I have so many. I'm a fan of so many different Chicago artists. And one thing I noticed that they were telling their stories, and then I would witness them being honest, like uh, dealing with mental illness. And they would say these things on stage, and I'm like, wow! And people laughing, and this is okay. So um, I kept going to different open mics, trying to figure out different content that I wanted to do. And I told one of my um, a, a lady producing the mic, and her name is Mona, and she was like, I told about my dad, and I would tell her stories about the things that we would go through. And she was like, please tell it on stage. Would you please get on stage and tell these stories? And I was like, oh, no. So I did. And I did. she booked me for a show, and it was the first time that I ever told a story about my dad wandering off from me. And it was a story that actually, I mean, I was in tears. Like, I tell this joke all the time about um, I let my dad go out the house. I'm like, oh, okay, he likes to, he wants to get outside. I let him get out. And we started walking around the house. And as soon as we got on the next block, he completely forgot who I was. And he started, um, we saw a woman walking towards us, and he started trying to save her and help her. So I had to go through this big ordeal explaining that he had dementia, and then he was trying to get in a parked car. He ran for me. I mean, it was the, honestly, I went home and I cried, like, was in complete tears. So I told my mom about it the next day, and she actually laughed about it a little bit, like the way I was telling it to her. And I was like, you know what? Okay. So I ended up doing that same, the entire story on stage with no lies, just flat-out truth. And people were laughing, and they and people came up to me after the show that had a parent with Alzheimer's. And one girl was like, you know, your story just touched my heart because my grandmother had Alzheimer's. And we kind of just agreed with her a lot. She thought I was a boy. So I just was okay with that. And, and, and these are situations that I was dealing with myself. And I was like, oh, my God. So I could use my... I can use stand-up to actually heal, and the more that I've been doing, I've been telling these stories about my dad for, like, two years now. Um, It's the funniest jokes that I have, and people support me, and they encourage me all the time to keep doing it. So that is one of the main ways that I started coping with it. So, And my bonus mom also helps me caregive for my dad, and she has the same type of joyous mentality. Um, She took care of her mother, who had Alzheimer's. And um, she kind of laughed, and she wrote a lot of comics about it while they were, while she was taking care of giving for her. So she has the same type of joy um, with me and my dad. So with her being that happy um, and me learning to just deal with it that way and now doing comedy about it is honestly how I started coping with it and why I actually look forward to coming to um, take care of my father. Well, you know, some people might think, well, you know, you shouldn't be laughing at the disease. And and what I want to point out is that you're not laughing at it. You know, you just shared how vulnerable you were and you cried and how upsetting it was. But we have to use different mediums to reach different people, to have these conversations, to make make it okay. Um, I When I go out and speak and train, I, I've always called it emotional-based training. I get people to laugh and cry through the stories I tell, because I don't think until it really resonates in the heart and it really makes people feel that they don't change. And so I think it's a, I think it can be a beautiful way to be able to 
get the conversations open and get people to understand the true stories that happen. And, you know, laughter is just such a, a healing process to be able to laugh at ourselves, how we handled something, how we reacted to it. Um, you know, all of those types of things. It's not just, it, it isn't about laughing at your dad. It's about laughing at life and the situation that it hands us. And, you know, what can we learn from that? And, how, you know, how do we share those true stories instead of, you know, hiding, hiding it away? Um, that just, I think, increases everyone's stress level and isolates people um, much more. But when you have authentic conversations um, about real life, that sometimes is pretty dang comical, um, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And, and to me, that was evident by you having people come up and say, hey, this is what mine did. And again, not to laugh, laugh at the, at, at the person it's laughing at the, the situation and like, who would have thought, I mean, most people dealing with dementia, if they have it or not, they'll say, who would have thought this would have ever happened or I would have ever done this. You know, it's just, um, but it's, it's our new normal. It's not normal aging, but it is the new normal for many, many people. And um, we need to know we're not alone uh, in that. So um, I want to talk to you too about, you you have a a statement about if dementia could talk. If dementia could talk, what would it say? What's that about? Um, so if dementia could talk is a presentation that I put together um, to kind of show how people that I've experienced, that I deal with with dementia feel and um, and how we and basically I'm trying to incorporate utilizing the improv to communicate with them at the same time. So um, it's a presentation I do at um, monthly at um, Scott School of Nursing. It's a, it's a certified nursing assistant school. So what I do at the presentation and, and how I feel about if dementia could talk is it will ask people to listen. So much we go into a situation and we have this template or we have this idea for how we're going to approach it and we're tied to the outcome of what we want to happen. And, Dementia is not like that. It has no outcome. So you have to go into it and just listen and then improvise. And I say improvise because when you stay in the moment with anybody and just utilize the tools that you have in a conversation, you can build from there. So like with my father, um, I've been learning a lot about him because he thinks that he's still a principal or he thinks that he's still a police officer at times. So I just let him believe it. If he thinks he's the principal, I go right along with it. Like, yes, I'm Miss Johnson. You know, I'll be taking over the math uh, department, you know, and I just try to go along with it so I can get the best conversation from him. And it works. And, and I do that because if dementia could talk, it would just want you to listen and then respond. Because um, more often, when you respond to them first or when you have like a, like if my dad does think he's teaching, I tell him, you're not teaching, you're not teaching, you're not teaching, then I'm just blocking him and frustrating him because people with dementia know that they are confused. Every day I get, I wake my dad up and watch him, watch him remember, for the lack of better words, remember that he has dementia. I have to watch him be confused every day. So basically, what I do is I just try to listen and respond. I try to listen to who he wants to be, and every day I write out this temp because he can still read. So I write out, um, good morning, Milton Hall. And today, I let him know what today is so I can try to get his brain flowing 
And then I also tell them, like, you know, today is Milton Hall Day. We decided that you've done such a great job at work, so we want to give you the day off. You know what I mean? I'll just uh, give him credit and build him up. So I think of Dementia Cut Talk, it was, it was, it was say, listen, and I also would just tell you to help build people because, you can just let go of whatever it is that you feel or how you feel about them. Even like I said with my dad, I've forgiven him, and that's how I respond honestly to all people. And that's what um, take care of giving for somebody with Alzheimer's and dementia has given me the patience to do is to just honestly relinquish my agenda with everybody. I don't really go into any situation with this demand of how this is going to end because you never know. And it opens me up to so many more possibilities when I don't hold on to that end, to the ending, when I can just improvise and whatever comes my way. So that way I'm in a moment and I can do whatever I, whatever I need to do instead of just being so tied to one thing. So that's how I feel about Dementia Talk. And what I'm going to do um, with that presentation, since now we have all been quarantined, um, I will be posting on my website to do um, a live a webinar about it, just to give it give the information for medical professionals that are still out here um, dealing with people with dementia and Alzheimer's. So that way they can look at it from a better aspect, and maybe I can help give them some tools to deal with in a crisis right now. Yeah, I, I think that's wonderful. And living in the moment, and like you said, um, being able to not judge or direct where things are going, but just let them be in the driver's seat and um, making sure that they're comfortable and, and feel safe, you know, is so important. And I think so many times we get into our routines and people with dementia say, yeah, but they're your routines. <laughs> they're not my routines. You do my routines and, and the day's going to go much smoother than if we, if you try to make me follow your routine, because I don't understand what your routine is all the time. And, um, you know, it's a simple thing, but we sometimes dig our heels in because we think it'll be easier for us. But in the long run, it, it, you know, changes emotions on both sides. And on top of that, um, you know, people aren't having a good day. They can, you know, um, just get angry and things. And it's, uh, it's not good. And it's going to take much longer where if you would have adapted to what they need, it's over, it's done, and everyone's still in a good mood. And uh, that makes a, a big, big difference in terms of stress and, um, and time usage, I think, with that. Yes. Um, what made you decide to become, you know, a caregiver, a care partner, a care companion, and, um, and how has it impacted your, your personal life? So, um, in, what year was that, 2017 is when I ended up transferring my job. I I worked for the state of Illinois as a um, human services caseworker for the Department of Human Services. And I was working in Joliet, Illinois. And I decided to switch and come to Chicago when my father had dementia when he was diagnosed. So, what I was doing is I moved to Chicago to be closer to him. And... What I was doing was working my day job, and then I was working in Woodlawn, and then I would go to my dad's house afterwards. But I was extremely exhausted um, by the end of the day, by the end of the week, and um, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. So I was trying to figure out, and people were telling me, you know, send someone over here for my dad. I can hire a home care aide. But I just wanted to – I felt like I personally was responsible to at least assist him. So I quit my job. 
um, I went through, <laughs> quit my job, and I became a home care aide. And that's what I started taking care of my father in 2018. So um, I've been here for two years. Um, it has been very interesting along the process because I realized how many people um, count people with dementia and Alzheimer's out. So um, even with doctors, they only give you so much information. They only want to – I've taken him to so many neuropsychologists um, to try to get more help and to see what I could do, and everyone's like, well, it is what it is. So for me, it was heartbreaking. So at that point, I was like, you know what, if I can be over here and I can make the best of this for myself and my dad and watch him laugh and, you know, watch him be all these different roles. And since I act, it's very easy for me to just act and play along with him. Um, it, it really just gave me a better um, aspect of life for myself. And while I was doing that is when I became, like I said, the certified dementia communication specialist. I started doing stand-up comedy. Um, I'm an improviser. And the more and more I share my story and started doing things, I've been given so many platforms that have been blessing me. So it has been it has taken my life to a completely different level by just taking that leap of faith to do something different and not um depressed about it. Because when I would tell people that my father had dementia, people would always be like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sad and I'm just like, We're not making this sad over here, you know. I also do a lot with my great aunt and she likes to sing. So I love to go over there, and I love to sing different songs with her and just kind of read the Bible with her because that's what she likes to do, and it really gives her joy. And I can, every time I'm there, she thanks me for being there. Um, I've been doing, like I said, these different presentations, and I get so much feedback and so much love from these nurses. And when I do comedy, I get so much feedback. So honestly, it has given me a purpose for my life that I was looking for so hard before, and I can see it now by just being me. So um, that's what a caregiver has done for me. It's given me purpose, and it's given me drive to fight and honestly share my story and be positive and help other people to try to see the same way. If we stay in a moment with life, we'll be able to get through it. I agree. Uh, And that whole thing about kind of a new purpose, um, it just kind of settles your soul, you know, when you when you find that purpose in life in terms of what what you're doing. Um, I still have a couple other questions, but we've got a caller on the line, and sometimes they just listen, and sometimes they have questions. So I am going to pull in a caller with the last four digits of five nine nine five five nine nine five. You are live That's and me. on the air. And who who is me? Hi, Arlita. This is Michelle calling from Chicago. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing good. I, you know, I was listening in, and I just wanted to say um, thank you because I do know you personally, and I have seen your interactions um, with individuals that's going through this journey. I have watched you teach, and I think that you are an amazing individual and just a game changer in this whole care culture. And the fact that your passion and your experience comes from the fact that you are a care partner to several different loved ones that you have. So I just wanted to thank you for that. I also wanted to say I appreciate the fact that you brought up about um, forgiveness And sometimes it's not just the forgiveness of maybe the relationship. 
you had with that individual. But also, you know, people can understand that sometimes you have to forgive yourself. And in order to live in your own truth and not those things that we have created or we perceive ourselves to make, but our real truth, can we walk in somebody else's shoes? So I just want to thank you for just making that visible and making it known to people. And then also about the improv, you are definitely evidencing because I have seen you in action and just improv and is really expecting not to expect and just being in the flow. So I want to thank you too for teaching me too as well. Oh, oh that's goodness. so nice. Oh, thank oh, you oh, so much, Michelle. So sweet. I'm trying not to cry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, girl, don't cry. You know we we share gifts. When you pass that down, I start crying too, and it's just gonna trickle down. So no, I really want you um, to just receive that because, I mean, people don't know enough what care providers go through. And then also with the way that the care culture is and the need for it to evolve and to continually evolve to be able to see what that looks like in action. And to me, you are it. So I just want to thank you for that. And I also want to thank Laura because this is a continual thing for her and a passion with her mom. Um, I've known her for a long time as well. So I just want the two of you to know that I really appreciate you for all that you do for the care providers, which will ultimately change the lives of those that are living through the journey and that it's a journey for all of us. It's life changing for all of us that is going through. So I just can't say thank you enough. Well, and for those of you that don't know Michelle Mason, she is one incredible lady herself and um, really has a passion to make a difference in terms of dementia care culture and, and just, I think, in, in um, anybody's life. But just a very authentic, passionate voice, uh, doing incredible things uh, in, her, in her own arena as well. And she's been a, a past guest of ours. And uh, I, like I said, it's, uh, I am honored in my job to be able to connect with so many people doing so many cool things and being willing to share that with others because I really do think that um, giving people ideas of, of what you're doing gives them the hope and the possibility of maybe they could do that or maybe there's something that's been gnawing at them but they're thinking, well, that'd be silly, I couldn't do that. And maybe it'll give them the strength and the courage to look at that a little deeper and bring it forward because we're all here with different gifts and, you know, none of us can duplicate what someone else does. You know, we can do something similar, but we all bring our authentic self to it and it's going to unfold a little bit differently no matter who does it, even, even if it's a criteria and we're laying it out, it's just personalities matter <laughs> and, and, and that's okay. And that's okay. So, um, again, one of the things we try to do here on Alzheimer's Speaks is to raise everyone's voice from those who are diagnosed or maybe they're maybe they someone who hasn't been diagnosed and has questions and how they've been treated um, to uh, professionals, to family uh, care partners, to um, businesses. We've had authors, um, we've had researchers, we've had movie directors, singer-songwriters, um, we've had teenagers, 
you know, everybody can bring something different to the plate. And that's what's so fun about, about hearing these, these paths. So, um, Alita, I, I want to ask you about your a project map. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So Project Map um, is something, it's a documentary that I developed while I've been working over here at my father's house. Um, and it started off as devotion. So my father is, old. like I said, he's a wanderer, and he can be very, very impatient. He always thinks that he has to go somewhere. So as we would do devotion, and I would, like, that's because he's very spiritual, we would do scriptures, and then I would just let my father kind of rant about the scripture and kind of take positive quotes that he had about it. And I would just ask him certain questions, and then I would just start writing stuff down. And then from there came, um, and I realized that this was the only time he was really calm. So um, I started printing the quotes out and posting them around the house, and I would call it Project Map, and it would be Map Mill stands for Milton Addresses Anxiety Positively. So with these positive quotes, my dad would read them every day, um, all day walking past, and then he would, he would, it would just calm him, and I would even see that he would just promote positivity. So from there, um, I shared it with my uh, friend, Brittany Onslaught, who, docu- who is a filmmaker. And I just talked to her about it, and I was like, you know, I kind of want to start documenting me and my dad because I had been posting, like, videos of us on social media. And I would get a lot of feedback from my followers. I mean, as you read, I do a lot of stuff, but a lot of people really respond to me and my dad. And they would be like, I love this. I love you and your father. So it just kind of inspired me, like, I can really document this. So I told Brittany that I wanted to start documenting my father's life and me and him together and also kind of at this point how I utilize improv to live my life and be a uh, um, serial entrepreneur. So we started documenting last year um, and started filming my entire process from when I get over here, when I started taking care of my dad, morning, lunch, dinner, and then my different jobs. So now we're in the kind of like post, production phase or we're editing it editing it now but i do have a, a web uh it's on my facebook page it's called project map we have a small sample clip on there so if you want to if you are listening you can go to project map m-a-a-p on facebook and watch the sample clip of the documentary please leave feedback but um that is what it is right now so i'm trying to document my life but not only i know that the disease gets worse but also because um, I just want to kind of share how me and my father um, are together and how I am with other people in a in a hope that I can help change a lot of people that come in contact with people with dementia and Alzheimer's to kind of help uplift them and give them a better respect so we can stop dealing with it so negatively. So that is my hope um, to share my story on a bigger platform to kind of help change the world. I know that sounds cheesy, but that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, with one laugh at a time, one patient at a time. No, I think that's I think that's a wonderful wonderful mode to do. And you know, as I said, I I watched um, a portion of it, and I thought it was really interesting. Your conversations, you know, with your dad and and how you interacted with him. I think leading by example to me has always been the we- the best way for me to learn is to be able to see and then actually try try things myself and. And I think the more mediums that we use to reach people, the better, too, because everybody learns a little bit 
a little bit different. Looks like we have somebody um, else on the line from a 7762 number, 7762, you're live and on the air. If you have a question or a comment. Seven seven six two. Well, maybe not. Sometimes people just like to listen, so that's okay too. Um, no problem with that. Um, I always just like to make sure I give give people the opportunity to to chat if they'd like. Um, so for you, what what is the? Well, maybe I should ask you this because we really haven't talked. So much. How are how are you guys dealing with the the COVID virus, and how has that impacted how you care? And you know, does your dad understand um, any of what's going on? I mean, it's just it's also so bizarre to all of us <laughs> what's happening in yeah. the world. So he can still read. So I'll give him, like I said, I, every day I kind of try to introduce the day to him and tell him what's going on. And he also still reads the Chicago Sun-Times. So um, my dad loves, he's always been real heavy in the politics and what's going on in the world. He's kind of, I'm a lot like him. He's done so many things. So, but this, uh, I saw him actually go into a room by himself the other day with the front of the newspaper and just shake his head. I was like, oh, my daddy is sad. He don't like this. Mm-hmm. We are in the house. And I kept, I wrote a letter to him yesterday to tell him that Chicago was shut down. And he kept saying, Chicago, shut down. So um, I'm trying to help him remember. He kind of forgets, of course, every day, which is kind of a good thing. So he's not in this um, this other mode of anxiousness about it. But for me personally, mm-hmm. I have not I know I do a lot of things but I'm not doing anything else right now work wise unless it's online. Um because uh, according to the news and some research that baby boomers, which is my dad, um, seem to get it and they're not getting as much care. They can't fight the virus as well. So that is my worst like and I don't even have fears. My worst fear would be to bring my dad something like that. So I haven't gone anywhere, no parties, no nothing <laughs> besides home and here and when I'm around my dad I have to wear a mask um just to be on preventative measures so that I'm not um giving him any uh type of passing anything on with him at this time yeah it's it's spooky it's uh I mean it's just it's so bizarre out there right now and it looks like it's really starting to spread into other age groups as well and uh so it's going to be an interesting really interesting journey. Um, I just did a dementia chats, which I haven't edited and, and put out yet, but I will uh, within the week. And we had a conversation about COVID and, you know, they were saying actually what everyone is experiencing right now is really what they experienced upon diagnosis, the isolation, the fear, the unknown. And, um, you know, because so many people walked out of their lives. And so they, a lot of them say, you know, we've learned to connect differently. You know, they use teleconferencing a ton in video conferencing um, to meet people and, and keep connected and stuff. And so they said, we can probably help people through this process uh, that, that are really feeling intimidated by the technology because we can do it. You know, if we can do it, they can do it <laughs> and stuff. So it was a, it was very interesting, and they focused a lot on 
all of the positives that they're seeing come out of, you know, this really horrible event we're going through. Um, they're, you know, talking about communities coming together and all the creative ideas that are happening. And it's probably going to really shift our world in terms of how we work, how we communicate, how we connect with one another. Um, you know, tele, telemedicine is probably going to be the top leading thing after this. You know, it was kind of poo-pooed, and, but it, I think they're going to see a um, much more use for it, and they're going to be forced into into kind of uh, testing it on a on a massive platform here. So I I do think there's a lot that's that's good. And anytime you know I would get into a situation with my mom or my dad who had cancer, who I was taking care of, and when I was feeling overwhelmed, I would always ask myself, what's the lesson? Because I believe in every tough situation that we're handed. There are some huge blessings um, with this. Do you feel that you have received blessings from being able to care for your dad? Oh, my goodness, yes. (laughs) (laughs) um, It has honestly been, um, it has been interesting. Like I said, living by faith, you, this type of hysteria, the country's in right now, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's the type of hysteria I was in when I quit my job. When you don't know where your next dollar coming from or your next meal coming from, it's scary. And Mm -hmm. um, when you're trying to figure out how to create income. But um, along the route, I have gotten so many blessings. Talking to you right now and having this platform is a blessing um, to me. To be able to express myself, we had this set up, this phone call before this even started. So, you know, before this uh, safe phone call we're having (laughs) was already (laughs) in the atmosphere. Um, I've been getting so many things. Like I said, since I quit my job, I'm also an actress. I ended up signing with uh, Lily's Talent Agency last year. So now I have the freedom to even go act and do things that I want to do. Um, I'm an improviser, so I get to be in a lot of different um, platforms and perform. So um, even with stand-up comedy, I've been getting paid gigs. This last year was the first year I think I made $500 in 10 minutes. <laughs> it was like, what mm-hmm. is happening with this life? Um, so and I've been able to touch so many people. I mean, anytime I do a show, honestly, and I talk about me and my dad, the response that I get from the crowd because dementia is so dark and it's so scary for people. Um, it's just a, it's amazing to me. Um, and as an improviser, we build comedy off of the truth. People want, they, this is a, like step one when it comes to writing comedy, people write comedy off of the truth. So um, the truth is funny. So for me to be able to, to talk about a dark truth and then, to touch so many people from it is just a blessing to me. And like I said, I any, I shared my story one time at uh, an event I was bartending, and it was actually, it was two nurses that were at the event, and they heard my story. And one of the nurses actually bought me a massage, and then she booked me to uh, give presentations. And she was like, "I believe in you." She was like, "And you really have what you know." what it takes. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with the country at this point, but I was even booked to be a uh, keynote speaker at the the upcoming Chicago's Nurses Expo. So I'll be there to do, uh, but not just speaking, I'm there to do entertainment and comedy. And this is a blessing. I've never thought I would be speaking at the Nurses Expo. I went to college for communications. I was told I could get a job, 
and I had a good a good state job that nobody wanted me to quit. You know what I mean? So to be doing mm-hmm. the things that I'm doing right now and, and to sustain myself, um, I wouldn't take this life back for anything. It is a dream. Yeah, yeah, I know for for me, I always tell people, um, you know, my mom's disease is the biggest gift I'll ever receive because she just opened my eyes to life in a whole different fashion that I never would have been exposed to. You know, you had talked about the beginning about, you know, pe- getting people to learn to listen. And, and I would say learn to watch, to watch those nonverbals that we have taken for granted or even forgotten about altogether. You know, there's multiple ways that we can communicate. And, you know, my mom's journey was 30 years long with this disease. And she taught me how to love unconditionally in multiple levels, because as she lost more and more, we gained new ways to communicate and it was just, it was, uh, I, I can't even put it into words. People ask me and it's just like, it's, it, it's just, it's almost like a religious or a spiritual experience when you are that connected, when you have so little of what the norm is in terms of how we think communication goes. There's, we, we're, we are so much deeper and um, dementia allows you to explore that and experience that, which I think is a really beautiful opportunity because it will be life-changing to you. Um, and, you know, you don't, you don't sweat the little things about, um, you know, do they remember your name or do they have the, the memory of an event accurate? It, it's not about any of that. You get to this place of it's just about pure joy and connection and, um yeah, it, it changes your reality, I think, or it did it did mine. Yes, it does. It really does. Um, like I said, I'm a storyteller now, and honestly, the stories that I tell that are the funniest are the ones that make me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is the ones that hurt the most that are the ones that touch people. So I'm I'm thankful that you know I, I'm, it does it, it hurts when it like I said these people in your family your loved ones get diagnosed with these this type of diseases but how we respond to it is is basically how we kind of set up how we're gonna self care about it you know what I mean so it's I'm and how we get blessings so it's it's amazing like now you have this platform where you can share your story and help other people share and. In the essence, we're trying to help people care a little more and care, like you said, in comfort. So this mm-hmm. is um, it's, this is amazing. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Um, I, I just so appreciate what you've shared with us and your insights. It's uh, it's really a beautiful thing, Arletta. So um, again, people can get to you. You're on Facebook or Instagram. And they can just uh, type in your name, and that's A-R-L-I-E-T-A, and then Hall, H-A-L-L. So that's, again, A-R-L-I-E-T-A, and then Hall, H-A-L-L, for Instagram and Facebook. And your website's real easy, too. It's just www, and your name, same thing, dot com. And um, I've also listed on the radio show and blog page 
your link to the map project as well. So making that a little bit easier for people to find. So again, um, best of luck to you. Please keep in touch. You're doing fabulous work. And I'm so glad that Michelle connected us. Me too. Thank you so much. It has been a blessing speaking with you. And for everyone listening, thank you all um, for being so supportive. I appreciate it. Um, I this is this is amazing for me. Um, without people like you all, and honestly, my family that has supported me, they come to all my shows, they support everything I do, um, and they actually help us with my father. So I want to thank everybody listening, and I promise to keep moving forward. I've been Arlita Hall, um, and thank you again, Lori. This has been a blessing. Please, everyone, keep in touch. Will do. And again, for our listeners, please feel free to pass this show on and subscribe. Uh, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com for a lot more of our resources. Um, again, we are on Facebook and um, YouTube, all of those fun things. You might want to check out Dementia Chats, which has a facilitated conversation with people living with the disease that is just um it just has incredible insights, and you can find that by going to our initiatives and projects page. Uh, anyone out there listening who is interested in doing some virtual events for training for staff, uh, training for families, or uh, just even facilitating gatherings um, to keep people connected, please reach out to me at, uh, at alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a big contact button in the upper right-hand corner. So stay, stay safe and stay healthy. We'll talk soon. Bye now. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what can be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.